what does it mean for you to be all in? What will it take for you to get serious? Serious about your faith? Serious about the Bible? Serious about Jesus? Second by second, time is ticking away. What holds you back? What pulls you down? Lay it down and let it go. Jesus wants your whole heart. Your heart and your life is what you have to give. It's time to go. All in. All in. Are you all in? Are you all in in your relationship with Jesus? Are you all in in reading the Bible? Are you all in in saying, yes, I am a follower of Christ? Last year, we did a series called Not a Fan, where we challenged you to be more than just a fan of Jesus, more than somebody who just sits on the sidelines and roots for the team. We challenge you to be a true follower of Jesus. All in. Matthew West just won a Dove Award for his album, All In. If you haven't heard the whole album, I challenge you to listen to it, or at least listen to the title track which is called All In. And I think that has become my prayer, and I hope that becomes everybody's prayer. The first verse says, My feet are frozen on this middle ground. The water is warm here, but the fire has gone out. I've played it safe for so long that the passion has left. Turns out safe is just another word for regret. So I step to the edge And I take a deep breath. We're all dying to live, but we're scared to death. And this is the part where my head tells my heart, you should turn back around, but there's no turning back now. I'm going all in, head first into the deep end. I hear you calling, and this time, fear won't win. I'm going all in. And then the first two lines of the second verse says, I believe that one day, I will see your kingdom come, and I want to hear you say, well done, child, welcome home. This album was released a little over a year ago, and I've heard the song many times. And I think so many times it's we hear things, but we don't really listen. We don't really take it in. And then this past summer, Allie and I were at a concert, one of Matthew's concerts, and he's up there playing this song. And it just kept resonating all in, all in. And it was a challenge to me. Am I really all in? Am I really all in in my walk with Christ? Again, how many of us have played it safe for so long? We've played the safe Christian that we don't have a passion anymore for the things that God wants us to. We don't have a passion for sharing our faith. We don't even really have a passion for coming to church 
We come to church because, well, that's what we should do, or, well, they, they think I should be there. But I hope you, as well as I, I know that I want to hear at the end of my life, when I answer heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I've heard it said that you should live your life so people don't have to lie at your funeral. And how true is that? At my funeral, I want people to know not only did I talk the talk, but I also walked the walk. That my actions matched my words. You have to remember, you may be the only Jesus that some people see. They may never know anybody else who claims to be a Christian. And they're looking at you and your life to see if your actions match your words. Today we're going to look at three teenage boys who decided to go all in in their walk with Christ. All in in their faith, despite the opposition they faced, despite the hardship, despite the ridicule, they decided they were all in, even if that meant they could be put to death. Father God, we thank you for this day. We come to you now humbly and open. Speak through me today, Father. Let me be used by you. Let me be your vessel. In these next few moments, we dive into this scripture, Father. Show us something. We ask this in your name. Amen. You can go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. So to catch you up a little bit on what is going on in Daniel chapter 3. So here we have King Nebuchadnezzar. He defeated the kingdom of Judah, and he had taken them as prisoners and slaves. And then he told his key people, what I want you to do is I want you to go and pick out some of these Jewish boys. They are going to serve here in my court. Now make sure that they are strong and smart. We're going to train them in our ways. We're going to teach them our language. We're going to teach them our culture so they can serve me. Now, four of these young boys we see here in the book of Daniel. And in that beginning of captivity, they were probably between the ages of 11 to 13. And so we have Daniel, we have Hananiah, we have Mishael, and Azariah. Now, the last three you may not have ever heard of before because once they were taken into captivity, they changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So why were their names changed? Their names had a meaning, and so they changed it. So one of their names meant Yahweh has been gracious. One meant who is like God, and the third meant Yahweh has helped. They changed their names because they wanted to strip every part of the one true living God away from them. You could almost say they wanted to brainwash these kids. That's why they changed the names. So they had nothing to do with their former life. But these four men had found favor in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I think that's one thing we need to make sure that we're striving to. We need to be found in favor with God. You know, most Christians will say, well, yeah, I want to be found in God's favor. You know, because if I'm found in God's favor, then good things are going to happen to me. People will look at us and be like, well, you must be found in God's favor. Look at what you have 
you are blessed and highly favored. But I think we misconstrue favor so many times. Favor is not having things. I like to think of it like this. Favor is God doing good to you because he can do good through you. If he can't do good through you, then he's not going to do good to you. He's saying, hey, you're, you're going to be found in my favor because I know you are working for me. I know you're working for the kingdom. And these four young boys, they were found in favor with the king. The, the king thought these boys were well fit. He said, hey, I know these boys are going to have a good influence on the Jews. If I can just get them to see things my way, then all these other Jews that we've taken, in, taken into captivity will worship me and worship our kingdom and do what we want them to do without hesitation. So I'll put them in charge of things. Daniel started interpreting dreams at a young age. And at the end of chapter 2, verses 47 through 49 of Daniel, it says this. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of the gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing that you could reveal this secret or seeing that you could reveal this dream. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him a ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and the chief of the governors and over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king because Daniel was able to interpret this dream. The king said, you know what? Maybe your God does have something to do with this. Maybe your God is a little bit real. So the king's starting to come to terms that, hey, there's somebody else other than these idols that we worship. And because of their steadfast faith, King Nebuchadnezzar was starting to understand that the Jewish God was real. But something changed in between chapters 2 and 3. Probably a lot like most of us men, if we got put in a position of being king, we'd let our arrogance and our pride get in the way. The kingdom was advancing. They were the leader in science. They had the most wealth in the world. And all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar got this giant head about him. People were probably coming up to him and like, hey, King Nebi, you know you are awesome. You know you are number one. King, you are so awesome. We should build an idol to you and people should worship it because of how awesome you are. Two points to today's message. In order to be all in, you have to, one, abandon your bow. And two, you have to follow obedience over outcome. Anybody, ever, anybody here ever feel like they have walked through the fire? Anybody ever feel like you're in a fire right now? Maybe there's hardship. Maybe there's turmoil right now. Maybe somebody, somebody's marriage may be in the fire. Maybe your family is in the fire. Maybe your finances are in the fire. Maybe your plans are in the fire. I know that's true for me and Allie. We've, we've had these plans for a while, and we feel stuck. 
Some people's emotions are in the fire. Some people's career. Some people's health. And some people's self-esteem is in the fire right now. And you don't know how to get out. You want to be all in. You want to be all in for Jesus. But there's this pressure around you. There's something that's just holding you back. And you feel like there's no escape. I know this verse gets quoted a lot when people are in hard times, but Jeremiah 29, 11, what I like about actually the beginning part of Jeremiah 29 is Jeremiah was a prophet, and he wrote that chapter, and it was actually a letter to them while they were in captivity. So the beginning of it, he starts out, and he says, hey, listen, I know you guys are in captivity in Babylon, but you're going to be there for a while. You are going to be in this fire, and you're going to have hardships for a while. Because you're going to be there for a while, make sure you build homes. Make sure you get a job. Make sure you plant gardens. Get married. Have children. But don't fall into their ways. Don't fall into their wicked practices. So starting in verse 10 of Jeremiah 29, it says, This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised you, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not evil. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. But there's some contingency. In the following verses, in 12 it says, In those days when you pray, not if you pray, you know, when you pray. So he's saying, you need to be praying to me. When you pray, I will listen. So matter, no matter what you're going through, when you pray with your whole heart, God cares and he is listening. And verse 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, if, me, if you look for me with everything you have, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I've sent you, and I will bring you home again into your own land. So in retrospect, I think it goes back to what I said earlier about favor. God's saying, listen, you're going to be found in my favor. I promise you that. But I'm only going to do good to you if I can do good through you. If I know you can get other people to me, that's when I am going to do good to you. So what you need to do is you need to abandon your bow and obey what I have committed. What I like about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was they were pretty much an intuit group. They shared a common interest, and they were doing life together. They said, hey, we should hang out. We should do this. They were an intuit group. Daniel 3, we're going to go ahead and, so Daniel 3, we're going to start in verse number 1. Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dara in the providence of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. 
So these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers and kings informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the golden statue. When they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the providence of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in his amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god or an angel. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, 
Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I will make this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation, or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the providence of Babylon. So to be all in, you have to abandon your bow. So here we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, key people in the king's court. And some little tattletale, some little snitch came up to the king and was like, Hey, king, this is, this is how I'm picturing it. Hey, king, you know those three Jews you put in charge? Yeah, you know the trumpets sounded, and, and I immediately bowed, but, you know, they, they were just standing there, king. Aren't you going to put them in the furnace? Come on. Aren't we like that sometimes? We look at people around us who aren't really serving God, and we're like, God, God, why are they successful? Why are they not having the hardships that I have? I'm serving you. They call themselves a Christian, and they haven't been to church all summer. Why do they have blessings? Here I am. God punished them. I feel like you're punishing me. And that's what these three, that's what these people did to these boys. They're like, listen, come on, king. And I heard his pastor one time say that his church is a hot church, humble, open, and transparent. And if I'm being humble, open, and transparent, I've said that to God before. I've been like, God, why do they, why are they being successful? Why do I have all these problems? I'm serving you. They're not. Punish them, God. And I think most of us can say that we felt that way before. We've thought that. Maybe we've even cried out to God and said that. And the king was so mad that these three boys that he put in charge, he thought were going to be a good influence, didn't bow to him. In verse 13, it says he flew into a rage that his face was distorted. So he was beyond just mad. I'm not going to say it, but he was peed off. He was furious. He's like, okay, bring them to me. Bring those three guys to me who are not bowing. And here they are, standing in, king, in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he looks at him and says, you didn't bow? Don't you remember what I said I was going to do? If you don't bow, I'm going to put you in the fiery furnace. He says, who then will save you? Will your God save you from that fiery furnace? What are you going to do then once I put you in there? 
And the king says, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow. How about that in our life? Every time we're striving towards something good, striving towards being a better person, does the enemy give us another chance to bow? Every time you're learning to be a little more honest, the enemy gives you another chance to lie. Every time you make plans to start reading your Bible more, the enemy gives you another chance to make an excuse to not get into the Word of God. Every time you start to be living that pure life, does the enemy give you another chance to lust? Every time we start making strides towards perfection, the enemy is going to be right there giving us another chance to bow. So the king said, come on, I'm going to give you boys another chance. And man, these, these boys, they were so hardcore. They were like, listen, king, we don't even have to defend our God. We don't even have to defend what we believe. We don't even have to answer you. Listen, if you're going to put us in the furnace, then hey, our God who is able to save us can save us from the furnace and from you. But listen, king, if you put us in the furnace, even if our God chooses not to save us, then so be it. It means the death of us. We are still not going to bow to you and your stupid statue because our God is the one whom we serve. And we are not going to bow down to you and your idols. What are you standing for and what are you standing on? Most of us want to act like these three boys. We want to be that strong. I would say almost every Christian wants to say, I will stand up for God every single time. But the fact is, a lot of us are too weak to take that stand because of comfort. It's a lot more comfortable to bow, take a knee, to sit down to stand your guard. Like maybe at work, you go to lunch and you know you really should take a few moments to pray and thank God, not just for your food out of habit, but to thank Him for the day, to thank Him that you have a chance to take a lunch break. But maybe instead of bowing your head and praying, you look around, you get your lunch, you're like, all right, nobody's watching. Thank you, God, for this food. Amen. Or maybe you go out to a restaurant and you bow and you're like, yeah, we don't, we don't need to pray. It's okay. I'm good. Because you're too afraid of what other people around you will think. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it growing up in high school. I had two friends who were strong influences in our youth group and core people in our youth group, but they were also in speech and humanities class with me. And every time there would be a subject that would come up that would be contradictory to what the Bible said, all of a sudden they were quiet and didn't say a word. They took their bow. 
They didn't stand firm and say, hey, no, 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 you guys are wrong. This is what the Bible says. This is how we should be doing it. Some of us bow right here in church. We know somebody else is struggling. We know somebody else is having a hard time. And instead of taking them by the hand and bringing them up to the altar at the end of service, we're like, I'm not doing that. I'm comfortable standing right here. If they want to go to the altar, they can go. Even though the Holy Spirit has prompted you about that. Sometimes you feel that you should invite somebody to church, but you don't want to have that awkward conversation, you know. You want to come to church? It's like, no, 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 no. And you bow and decide not to invite them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just wants us to bless somebody with a word of encouragement. We decide to bow and stay in our little comfortable place and not listen. And I ask myself, God, why do we, as, as a church, the church as a whole, as Christians, why do we do that? Why do we continue to do that? Why don't we move when the Holy Spirit prompts us? And God said, it's because we haven't abandoned our bow. You can't take a stand and still have your bow. You have to do one or the other. I know I've said this before, but you can't be walking towards God and standing still. You're either walking towards God or you're walking away from Him. There is no in-between. And these dudes, these dudes were under attack. So I ask, my, I ask myself sometimes, why am I under attack? Why do I feel all these fiery darts coming at me? Why is all this crap happening to me, God? I'm being faithful. And I love this, this Bible here that I have. It's, uh, it's called Every Man's Bible. And it's a study Bible. It has different, uh, highlights different verses and has some articles and quotes in it for teaching men how to live with integrity, how to walk the Christian life. And a few weeks ago, when Pastor was preaching on uh, Joseph and Potiphar and him having to run away from that situation when she tried to entice him, I look over on the next page when he was in Genesis, and there was this quote, and it says this, A man with 50 problems is twice as alive as a man with 25. If you haven't got problems, you should be down on your knees asking, Lord, don't you trust me? And I know sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow. But sometimes God's taking those bad times and trying to use them for good. So we can be a testimony to others. Debbie shared with us today about she had some car problems. And she, you know, again, I've been there. We're there right now. God, why are you letting this car problem happen? And what she thought could have been a $500 bill was only $100? $100. Because this guy wanted to be able to bless Debbie. And now this little problem that she had turns into a God story. Turns into a testimony. This time of testing is now a testimony. 
And that's what God does. When you have problems come your way, it could be so easy to bow. But what you need to do, you need to stand firm and you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Even if everybody else is doing this, even if everybody else is bowing, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord no matter what. I'm not going to bow to an idol. Somebody say, I won't bow. Come on, say it like you mean. Are you going to bow? Somebody say, I won't bow. Don't bow to those idols. Because you can only bow to things that are idols. You may be saying, well, I'm not bound to no golden statue. But you may be bound to money. You may be bowing if the price is right. Some of you, some of us, are bowing to success. You think if giving up church and giving up your Christian walk and giving up your Christian influences will help you get successful? Some of us decide to bow then. Some people make children their idols. Some people make family their idols. And there's nothing wrong with family time and putting your children, making them important. But when you leave the will of God, and when you start to walk away from your faith, therein lies the problem. Some of you are probably thinking, okay, Pastor Luke, what do, you, what do you really mean by an idol? Really describe an idol to me. On our heart sits a throne. And whatever sits on that throne of your heart is what you are bowing to. Whether it be money, whether it be fame, whether it be people's opinions of you. Whatever that is, that is what you will worship. That last one is probably the one that I struggle with the most. People's opinions. By, by, by nature, I am a people pleaser. I want to make sure people are happy. I don't want to upset people. Even every time me and Allie go out to dinner, it's like, well, what do you want, Steve? No, what do you want? Because we both want to please each other. We don't want to upset each other. So by default, me being a people pleaser, if you were here last week or you joined us online, I really struggled with should I have done that skit last week and dressed up like Magdalene. And I even told Allie, I know some of you are like, okay, yeah. But, but, but the fact is I thought, okay, eight years ago that was okay for me because I was just, you know, helping out in the youth. I was just a lay person. But I'm like, okay, now – I'm an associate pastor. Is it really okay for me to dress like a woman for some skit? And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to come back this week and preach a sermon. Are people going to be able to look at me and respect me and really take what I have to say for real because I've done this? And I have to stop bowing to that idol of people's opinions. And I have to remember God's opinion is what matters. Even with me and Allie taking over the children's program, and I'm like, okay, what do you think about this for a craft? What you, is, this, is this stupid? Does this make sense? And we put so much thought and so much time into making sure that whatever craft we plan can go with the lesson, but I also don't want people to be like, really? I mean, yeah, I know you guys are talking about creation and plants today, but you're going to have my kid come home with a plant? 
But you know what? All right, God's opinion is what matters. Does God please? An idol can't be an idol unless it's worshipped. And so many of us so-called Christians are bowing to things that are not God. If the right moment comes your way, if the right phone call comes in, and someone says, hey, listen, no one will ever know. No one will ever find out. And it could be as simple as, hey, listen, no one will know that you don't open up your Bible and read it at home. It's okay. You don't have to do that. No one in church will ever know if you guys don't pray at home for dinner. No one will ever know. The right opportunity comes our way. Too many times it's so easy for us to bow. And what God is saying, God is saying, I want men and women with integrity. It's time for our private prayers to become our public stances. Because if you don't stand for what God really wants you to do and what God really believes, then our bow is real close. If you are going to stand when you are in the fire, then you have to abandon your bow. And I know so many people are fighting adversities. They're struggling. They're dodging difficulties. But all I'm saying, is it worth bowing? What God is doing in your life, let God do it and don't try and make it happen. 1 Corinthians 15.58, Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. I'm actually going to start in verse 56. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thanks God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 58, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. In some versions it says, Be strong and stand firm. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. When you're doing it for the Lord, that's what counts. It's so easy to bow. Thirteen years ago, Pastor Todd could have bowed and said, No. I'm not starting a church. Listen, I'm a youth pastor. I'm an associate pastor. I'm a music pastor. I'm comfortable. I am not. I'm not doing that. He could have bowed. But because he abandoned that comfortable life and took a stand, we have seen hundreds pass through this building. Saved, baptized, freed from addiction because somebody decided not to bow and started Celebrate recovery in here. Marriage is mended. People coming to saving knowledge of Christ. I could have bowed the first time when pastor said, hey, do you want to preach? I was like, um, I, I, I don't know. I could have bowed and said, listen, I, you know, I, I can do the children. I can do the youth. I can do the media. But, but no, no. 
as hard as it was, I decided not to bow. A few years ago, even before podcasting became a big thing, I had this idea that not only should we record our services, but we should also upload them online. And even though it was more work for me, I decided not to bow to that easy life. And because pastor starting this church, because me deciding, listen, I'm not going to bow. We're going to go ahead and put these sermons online. I love what our podcasting site does. It So it uploads it to the site, and then it goes to iTunes. I'm not talking about Facebook. It's just the audio. Because what this site does, it gives me all these statistics and shows me how many listens this year. This year alone, from just the sermons that we've had, just this year, we've had over 1,000 listens on our iTunes account. We have, ha- we have reached Spain, England, Germany, Nigeria, Singapore, Kenya, South Korea, Iran, Russia, Mexico, Mongolia, Japan, Burma, Egypt, Turkey, the Philippines, Ireland, Greece, Chile, Brazil, all over the United States and so many more countries because pastor decided not to bow because I said, all right, we're going to go ahead and put these online. My question is, what has God, I think that's awesome, go ahead, give God, it's, it's, it's awesome that, think, just think just since the beginning of January that all the sermons that we have on there, and I've never, I've never taken any of the sermons off. I see, I see some churches on their iTunes account, they'll only keep them up for a year. But I'm like, listen, what if, what if somebody wants to listen to one of these earlier sermons? You know, so we probably have close to 200 sermons on there. And because, I mean, just the people that have been reached in some of these countries. There was one time where I clicked on and seeing somebody listening from Iran, a country that is predominantly Muslim. And in China, I've seen it, somebody that is so closed off to the, the cause of Christianity because of our time here and our giving as a church, they are able to hear the gospel. Because we have decided not to bow as a church, they are able to hear the gospel. What are you standing for and what are you standing on? What God wants us to do is to take a stand and he wants us to talk trash to the enemies like these guys did. Because in 2 Timothy 1.17 it says that God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you the power of love and of sound mind. Because you are God's child, you can talk trash to the enemy just like you used to in sports. Even if you were the most horrible player on the team, as long as your team was winning, you could talk trash to the enemy. Because you know God is on your side, and with God, all things are possible. I'm not saying these boys weren't afraid. They were probably scared. But here's the thing. They didn't speak it with their mouth because they know what Proverbs 18.21 says, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Some of us may go around saying, you know what? I guess I'm just going to be poor and broke for the rest of my life. I guess God just has a single life for me telling you you need to keep your mouth shut and you need to start declaring the blessings and the favor that God has for you. 
Some of you may just be like, well, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. But then we speak the curse that we don't want to happen into existence. And these boys never said that they were afraid because they didn't even want to talk about it. We don't speak about things we don't want to happen. That's why me and Allie, we never joke about, well, I'm leaving you. We don't even want that thought anywhere near us because we know that it says the devil roams about the earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we don't even need to speak those negative thoughts, those negative things that we don't want to happen into existence. Because when you're all in, you focus on God's ability and not your capability. So what they're saying is they're saying, listen, even if we get thrown into the furnace, God can save us. He can save us. Because who they were serving is who they were looking to save them. So whatever you are serving is what you need to make sure is able to save you. If you're serving money, if you're serving love, if you're serving sex, if you're serving lust, if you're serving people, if you're serving fame, whatever sits on the throne of your heart better be able to save you from the pits of hell. And I'm telling you, the only thing that can save you from the pits of hell is God, the Savior himself. Point number two. When you are all in, you choose obedience over outcomes. These guys stopped caring about what could happen to them and said, listen, I am going to be obedient to the word of God. Many of us want to be obedient to what God calls us to do, but only if God promises us that it's going to work out. You know, they're like, all right, God, you know, I'll go ahead and do this. I'll go ahead and take this step, but you have to promise me it's going to work out. But that, 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 there's a problem because the Bible doesn't say we walk by promises. It says we walk by faith. We have to make the decision to say, even if I never become a millionaire, I will serve God. Even if it takes time for this relationship to be reconciled, I will serve God. If you were here last week, you heard Kathy sing this new song called Waymaker. And you might as well look it up and start learning it because I guarantee it's going to be one that we're going to be singing here in church soon. And here is what the chorus says. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in my darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are my safety when I am in the fire. And even though you may be walking through the fire, you need to realize that as a child of the one true king, You are never alone. So here King Nebuchadnezzar, he gets all mad and he says, listen, we're going to turn the fire up seven times hotter than what it is right now. And he ties them up and says that the fire was so hot that it killed the people that put them in there. They got so close, it was so hot that it killed them. And then all of a sudden, King Nebi's like, "Uh, hey guys, didn't we throw three people in there? And one of his leaders like, yes, sir, yes, sir, I knew we threw three people in there. He's like, didn't we tie them up? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I got my Boy Scout knot tying badge right here. Yes, sir. I tied them up real good. He says, then why do I see four people in there walking around and the one looks like a god or an angel? And he gets real close and he says, hey, hey, hey guys, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, uh, come on out. I, I was just kidding with you guys. I didn't really mean to put you in there. I didn't think the guards were actually going to put you in there. And isn't it funny that sometimes the same people who throw you into the fire are the same people who are going to need you later on in life? Mm. When you're in the fire, don't run from the flames. Don't try and fight the flames. Allow them to make you stronger and better. I think it would have been a lesser miracle if when they got close, all of a sudden the fire went out. Because that could have happened. God could have been like, I'm just going to stop the fire right now. Because then they would have had all sorts of explanations. Well, you know, the fire wasn't built right. Did you feel that wind come by? It must have put the fire out. But instead, they walked through the fire. It says, the fire was still going even when they came out. Even after you make it out of the divorce, even after you make it out of the bankruptcy, even after the kids go crazy and then come back to Christ, even after you get made fun of for coming to church and serving God, they walked through the fire. They came out, and it says they didn't even smell like smoke. I'm telling you, instead of smelling like divorce and lust, you can smell like purity. Instead of smelling like addiction, you can smell like recovery. Instead of smelling like money problems, you can smell like success. Many of us smell like what we have been through because we are still bowing to our enemy and not going all in. When you decide to go all in, not only will it have a positive outlook on your life, but you are also going to be able to influence people positively. When it comes to being all in for eternity, even though sometimes it's hard to admit, I can admit that sometimes I don't feel like I've been doing a good job. You know, yes, I'm an associate pastor, but, you know, it's, also, you have a life outside here, and it's so easy to not be all in in this game we call life, in this Christian walk. And I'm going to try and unpack this just a minute and look at this and examine why. And here's what I thought. Here's the mistake that I made. I thought the longer I walked with Christ, the longer I was in church, the easier it would for me to be eternally minded. But here's the problem with that. We don't look at the opposite force 
The longer we are here on earth, the more our roots grow into the things of this earth. The more it's easier to care about the things of this world. And it saddens me. And it discourages me. It almost disgusts me. That I'm this way too. That sometimes I care too much about what other people think instead of about what God thinks. The more comfortable my life becomes, and it's more comfortable today than it was five years ago, the more we crave, the more I crave comfort. And the more I crave comfort, the less I'm living for the things of the kingdom. And I, and I hope, I really hope you don't think anything less of me because I'm admitting this. Like I said, I just want to be humble, open, and transparent. And we fight, I fight, the gravity of this world. It's like, it's like a GPS. You're following a GPS. Turn, turn in 500 yards, turn in 500 yards, and then all of a sudden your turn is there. And then it's like, recalculate recalculating and that's the way that i am i'm moving moving towards the kingdom but sometimes i get distracted and then i get distracted again and i have to recalculate and recenter my life i have to continue to break the roots for the love of this world so I can live for what matters. And here's what I try to do. I try to serve until I'm more uncomfortable. Because trusting the things of this world feels so good to have that I need to break that by serving. We need to pray for longer than it feels normal. And after a while, praying, you're like, is this really a waste of time? No, it recenters your life. This recenters me, and I try to spend time with God and read godly books that will help me live better. And I just have to remind myself to recalculate my rod. The pool of this world is so strong, but it's only temporary. One day your heart is going to beat for the last time. And at that point, there are no do-overs. There are no recalculatings. And that's why we have to fight to keep our eternal goal front and center. I have to say, Jesus, whether I'm in this body or I'm out of this world, my goal is to be all in. My goal is to please you in every little thing I do. If you find yourself more concerned with the things of this world, whether it be the sports, 
whether it be the shoes, whether it be the degree, whether the new house, the popularity, the car, the next vacation, whatever it is, you need to cut those roots off. You need to cut those things of this world. Because the things of this world do not matter and they do not last. Let the Spirit of God recalculate your life. Bring you back to a spiritual center. We have one goal. We're just a passing through here. So whatever you do, wherever we are, our goal is to please him. We're going to go into a time of invitation. And it's so fitting that the invitation song is called Hunger. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the things of this world? Or are you hungry for the eternal difference that you can make? The eternal difference that you can make when you're all in. In your family in your job, in your community, the eternal difference you can make in your marriage, the eternal difference you can make in the relationships with your children. It's a rough life. And it's a hard road to follow. But when you go all in, you can make it through the fire. And not be burned. You can make it through the fire. And not coming out. Smelling. Like what you've been through. You don't have to smell like disappointment. You can smell like success. You don't have. To. Live. Like what you've been through. There's a cross. And an altar for that where we can lay it all out. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the gift of salvation that you have given to us. We thank you for allowing us another chance. Help us to go all in. All in for you. Despite the hardship, despite the difficulty, let us to look to you in our time of trouble. Let us be like Job. Say no matter what comes my way. Blessed. Be the name of the Lord. We ask this in your heavenly and most gracious name.